We're here at the start Where the words fall apart Where language is lost in the wind The syllables sway in an ancient ballet The meaningless sounds that we sing What's up, everyone? I'm Pedro, the GM and creator of World Walkers. Before we get started, I want to take a second to tell you about the new stuff happening over at patreon.com slash worldwalkers. Last month, I took some time and I reorganized all the rewards we're offering. And if you're someone who has more than a passing interest in our podcast, I think you're going to want to take a look. Depending on what tier you join, you can enjoy monthly outtakes, you can listen to special one-off episodes that explore the lore and locations of the universe, and you can even listen to new Patreon-exclusive podcast series starring members of our own Patreon. I want to thank the musicians that lent their music to this episode, uh, and I also want to thank Sirenscape for uh, the additional sound effects and music and whatnot. You can find links to all of their work in the show notes. So, with that being said, let's move on to the episode. We've spent a lot of time with Tristana, Vernon, and Greg, but what about Harold? Let's find out what happens when our favorite goblin gunslinger wanders the branches of the Dreaming Tree in pursuit of the forge known as Contessa. So, yeah, you watch as your companions wander off and begin to uh, walk the branches of the Dreaming Tree, and it's not too long before um, they kind of get lost in the foliage. Harold probably takes a last look at this... uh what I imagine is like just an amazing sight for someone <laughs> to come from the wilds of Cog. Um, especially someone who began his life, his admittedly short life enslaved. Um, Harold's not a bard, but he understands stories and he understands stories have beginnings, middles and end. And he can feel the end is coming and he can feel like this may be some of the last views he sees. So he takes a moment to kind of breathe in and and enamor himself in this beauty and remind himself of this beauty. Um, to me, it would be that, like, if this was a series, this would be, like, we're looking at the beauty, the flashes of what he saw um, in the future when we went to the... Was it the guild? What was the guild who took us into, like, the future pool? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that that would flash, like, back and forth. and And after kind of that would snap him out of that kind of like, oh, how beautiful it is up here too. Oh, that's right. I have a world to save. And while this may be a long shot, you know, sometimes you just gotta line up your gun and take the shot, you know? And he would walk walk, uh, confidently down the path, aiming for Contessa. We begin traveling down that path, this this large, stable branch that has... um done everything to support you and give you uh, comfort and the further you walk down that branch the thinner it gets the foliage becomes thick the leaves um, kind of almost engulf you as you continue walking but that branch which again felt very much like like a like an open road begins to kind of creak and twist and almost it kind of loses that stability, that comfort, as you find yourself walking uh, very, very carefully through like a particularly thick uh, section of leaves. And as you push yourself kind of past that point, you find yourself having to very carefully 
walk this branch and it kind of reminds you that uh it, it kind of takes you back almost like you said um to when you were in the the wilds outside of Fallis in the echo forest where um you <laughs> if you were going to survive your environment you had to master your environment no longer is the tree giving you aid you're you're very carefully navigating and walking that branch and as you poke your head out from your vantage point in this tree you're undetected as you take in the scene a sprawling park stretches below you as two figures sit on one of its well-kept benches the first is a forged one with broad shoulders and imposing figure like other members of their race they seem to be massive suits of armor though their creators gave each of them a unique look and style this particular forged was seemingly crafted for something much more than bardic inspiration up and down their arms you can see segments missing as if parts of them have been dismantled next to them is a simple guitar case with a strap and who this individual you recognize immediately as Contessa. Next to them, you find a dwarf. He's a bit more compact than you'd expect, as if, uh, almost as if someone had just squeezed him up a little. His stubby little legs swing over the park bench as he carefully guards the mechanical backpack on the ground. He keeps his golden multi-lens goggles on top of his ember ponytailed head while he carefully drinks from a small bottle. Neither of them have noticed you. This park might really surprise you because parks are not a thing in many of the cities and locations that you've been in in Cog. There's not usually a place where you can enjoy the beauty of nature. Cog is not a place in the civilizations where they celebrate the beauty of nature. <laughs> um, so kind of take in that scene. There's Contessa right then and there. However, you have no idea who that companion of hers is. Yeah, uh, Harold would take in the scene, and he he would probably note that too. Like this seems awfully calm for a nature of cog. You know, <laughs> like <laughs> even having traveled worlds, he 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 feels out of place, so he might sit and watch just for a little bit. Mm-hmm. So he watches um, that that compact dwarf, as I described a second ago. Um, he twists and turns a couple knobs on his mechanical backpack. And then you hear like a, and there is a bit of, um, it's not steam, maybe cold air comes out from it as he quickly dives his hand in there and pulls out a, uh, a small drink. It's, um, like a mug with a lid on it. And then he pulls out, uh, this, uh, small little container and he quickly seals and locks up that mechanical backpack as he pulls out a lunch, small little simple sandwich. And a drink that kind of fizzes and opens uh, with kind of a, a weird, like, cooling sound. And you can tell from here, that, that drink looks very refreshing, very cold. Harold has seen many things, but nothing quite as spectacular <laughs> as this. I also imagine that if we, we had sponsorship, this is where it'd be like, and he chugs the slow, he slowly drinks the monster drink, refreshing as it touches his lips. Um no, uh, if Harold can kind of, he he's kind of checked out the scene and he feels as though neither are, in, this is not a threatening place and this is not a threatening time. And the dwarf does not seem to be 
wielding a threatening weapon. <laughs> it doesn't seem like the box uh, Harold was watching is not some sort of uh, thermonuclear device um, that would explode. Uh, so if Harold can quietly go down the tree, and it's a park, right? Is there like a path in front of the bench? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, yeah. And then Harold would would figure like the most, uh, <laughs> would try to walk along the path as though he has come upon them, not... Uh, he would not jump out of the tree like, surprise, I'm here. <laughs> He's trying to think of the, like the most calm way of entering the scene. Yeah, yeah. So then, yeah, he would take his time and climb down the tree. It seems like they're in no rush. And so okay. um, he would approach. All right. So um, just kind of openly or did you kind of sneak down the tree? What did you do? Um, ideally, I snuck down the tree so they didn't think that like there wasn't a lot of rustling and they look up and I'm just like sitting over them. Uh, more so that I can sneak down, get onto the path, and then walk up. And I think Harold's mm-hmm. going to do. Um, Harold Harold would think like the best play here is to walk past and then do a double take. Like, <laughs> are you Contessa? You know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. he has seen a celebrity. Um, sure. And so that might be. I feel like he has he has had his last social interaction that I can remember is that he got shot immediately. <laughs> in the dwarven (laughs) cave town and so he's just like he's forgotten almost how to have normal interactions um so he's like trying in this way to like reach back into that like how do you talk to someone when you're ah is that you ah imagine you here oh you're here mom yeah yeah so your plan doesn't come to fruition because it doesn't it doesn't take long before they notice you and as soon as they do, they both stop what they're doing. The dwarf, food in his mouth, halfway through the sandwich, turns and looks. And Contessa turns and looks. And they're, they're clearly staring at you. And it might be in that moment that you assess the situation and realize there's nobody else in the park. Uh-huh. There is no sign of any other people here. <laughs> so your casual stroll uh, is quite noticed. Yeah, <laughs> I had a feeling. Um, as soon as they, as soon as the, as soon as Harold realizes he, he, he's, he gives up the game very quickly. You know, like, um, and he makes contact and he and he says hello. They stare for a moment longer, and then Contessa speaks up and she says, "Uh, hello." Oh, uh, hello, hello, Contessa. You, you you don't know me. I, I I know who you are, but but you don't know me. The dwarf is slowly reaching for his mechanical backpack. No no. I, d- I uh I mean you no harm. I should tell you who I am. Um I would just merely like to tell you a story. And as a bard, I hope you will appreciate it. The dwarf speaks up and says, Who are you, gunslinger? And how did you find me? Um, well, one, I, d- I don't know who you are, and I was not looking for you. You know who I am. You didn't find your way all the way here, of all places, and just happened to run into me. No, I I came looking for Contessa. My name is Harold. I am a gunslinger. Of who? I'm a goblin, and I'm a dreamwalker. Who are you? Don't act like you don't know. 
this, I'm, I'm sorry, you, you've caught me, what, <laughs> I feel like I should start talking in old-timey, uh, you've, you've cottoned me with my pants down, sir, I know <laughs> not who you are, you know, uh, that kind of talk. No, uh, Harold is honest, is like, I'm sorry, sir, he I do not. He really wants to reach his mechanical backpack, but he also really, mm, he decides he takes one more bite. Uh, are, are you also a bard? You, I don't feel that you're a fugitive, though you seem to be acting as though. Perhaps you are... How oh, much did they pay you? I've, uh, I've received no pay from no one. What do you seem so afraid of? Well, there's only two types of people that would send you here. The Brotherhood or the Masters. I just I... want to know who before we do this. Well, I hate to disappoint you. He picks up the mechanical backpack. I neither have sent me. Are you... And Harold starts to put together and like, oh, the creed, of course. And it's almost as though it's like, um, it's as though you remember like rules from when you were in grade school. You know, and you're like, oh, I was a hall monitor when I was in grade school and I had to like stop kids from running. And all of a sudden it's just like, oh, this kid is this person is still in that. It's like uh, he goes, have you broken the oath? Is that is that what it is? He nods. I understand. The creed is important. The, the oath creed. is important. He looks at you he's like, <laughs> I'm no gunslinger. Oh, oh, okay. Well, great. Perfect. Uh, Again, I'm here to talk to Contessa. I would love to know your name and your story. The backpack pops open with like a bunch of whirls and cogs spinning, but not the compartment he was in a second ago, a different compartment. It's a lovely contraption you have there, sir. He shoves his fist into it, and when he pulls it out, there is this kind of wild mechanical gauntlet. It's got gears that kind of turn and spin all over it, and it goes almost all the way up to his elbow. The gauntlet is like two sizes too big, it seems like, but that's probably because it needs to hold all of the um, mechanical aspects that power it. And he stands up. Sir, I again, I mean you no harm. I'm here hmm. to talk to Contessa. How did you find your way here? How the hell did you get inside here? I walked the dreaming tree. The dreaming what? The dreaming tree. I told you I'm a dreamwalker, right? I What the fuck a dreamwalker is? This is why I asked you if I could just tell my story. If I if I may be allowed to. Since you have hostilities, I understand that you are wanted, it seems, by both the gunslingers and the master. I can see the tech on your arm probably has incited the gunslinger's rage, I understand. And I understand that that tech is probably also not appreciated by the guilds, maybe? I only keep up so much with dwarven politics, sir. I'm not here for you. My quarrel is not with you. My quarrel is with no one here. My quarrel is with the dream hunters who have taken over Mercurius. And this probably sounds like gibberish to you, realizing I'll tell that you now. What. Let me arm myself. Because if you've got nothing that's going to piss me off, I won't have to use this. That's fair. He and puts his arm this- up, reaches over, and he watches. He, like, turns a couple different gears, 
and then he um, there's some kind of like lever on the top and he grabs that and then pulls it back and there's like this and it's like this familiar sound almost the same kind of a mechanical uh, vibrate vibrating sound that you've heard in cosmic from the vault armors and then tell your story um harold will take a second to look contessa hasn't moved yeah contessa like is just staring forward and unfortunately um like some of the forge contessa doesn't have the um well i mean to be frank the facial features to show exactly how she feels and then um different forge models unfortunately had that there's some forge models that like i said there is a part of you that might wonder Contessa, especially in this moment, looks like the part there there are pieces of her that are missing. And uh what's your intelligence? Uh that's a great question. Uh 16. We'll just roll right off that then. Uh being a gunslinger and having the 16 intelligence, she looks decommissioned. Like it looks like there are there were who knows what kind of uh <laughs> um weapons and uh, armors that were attached to her that she has now had removed, it looks like. And, um, you know, some of the um, the older, more devastating war machines of the Forged, they don't have that construction. They don't have the, uh, the ability to uh, emote mm-hmm. the same way. So... You can't get a read on her. She's just staring right at you. Yeah, when she, I guess when she said hello, I didn't know if it was my internet dropping for a second, but it sounded like she said it really slow. She did. Like, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Uh, Harold's starting to put it together. Um, And now he feels uh, a little foolish for letting that guy arm himself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> And he says, he says, sir, can you just, can you just tell me? Is Contessa okay? When she speaks up, I mean, I can tell you I'm okay. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, uh, sorry. Harold is very embarrassed in this moment. Um, we do not know who you are and how you got in here. I understand. I only seek a chance to tell my story. I I don't even know where to begin. Yeah, I you guess. can hear the pulsating noises. Though, though. You can hear the... The pulses coming off of that arm, that gauntlet, but so far so good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and Harold would steady himself, and he would take away his sights from that guy. Um, and he knows this is like dangerous to do, or whatever, you know. Like, but he's trying to show in this moment. He's he focuses on Contessa. And he understands, like, he made the mistake of not talking directly to her to this point. And he knows that, like, even if this guy blasts him with this mega gauntlet arm, which sounds super cool, um, it doesn't matter if he can get through to Contessa. Like, he has hope in that. And, and he looks, so he looks at Contessa the whole time, and he starts. And he says, a long time ago... It feels like ages, but it might just be days. I had a dream. A dream where I woke up 
and I was the hero of this town and this magnificent things happened to me. There was a parade and there was a giant frog and it was very dream like uh, and he tries to kind of put in there but there was and he starts explaining uh, you know there's hopscotch was there and Dyson was there and Layla was there and we were all dreaming together and this man said that we needed to go out into the forest and he pushed us into trees and he asked me for my real name but I don't have a name I go by Harold but I was a goblin born in the wilds and I don't have a name sorry I know um, I'm rambling and I'm and I'm and I'm I'm not telling it straight, but but from there we found there was nightmares. And from there, we the world was developed in this darky inkness. And these figures came and they saved us and they introduced us into this town called Mercurius, which is the land of the dreaming. And I know you know it. I know when I say Mercurius, maybe that doesn't resonate with you, but the idea of dreaming resonates with you. And they taught us to be dreamwalkers. They taught us how to walk through this land of the dreaming. And they told us about the dream hunters, the these uh, nightmare creatures that are hunting the people who are dreamers. And I saw the future that the dream hunters wanted. And it was one that was pure darkness and pain and torment. And uh, and the city of dreams that we walked into, where magnificent and magical things are happening, where you're not bounded by the rules of the realm of the land, they got in and they took it over. And I'm skipping a lot of details and I'm forgetting a no, lot of. Of, of course, words. he says. Yes. Uh, uh, forgive me for I'm not a bard, but. <laughs> a long time ago uh, even before all of this I was a goblin lost lost in the echo forest uh, I was wondering and I was hungry and I was alone and I was on the edge of this town and I heard this song your song and he's still like at this point he has done his best not to acknowledge the dwarf and talk to Contessa um and it was at this small inn and there wasn't many people there and I just hobbled up next to the window and I looked in and I saw and I heard and and it was the first time... I, I mean, I've heard goblins sing songs, but... It was the first time I knew... I was... I was gonna be safe. And okay. Um... And so... The, I, I'm gonna go back... To... To Mercurius, where the... Where the dream the dream hunters have taken over and I'm gonna fight for this to stop this future they want this tormentors 
a short goblin life that's been plagued with tormentors. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to stop them, but I, I don't know if I can succeed. But through the course of this, we've learned a few things. I'm not a dreamwalker alone. There are a group of us, and a group of us they seem curious about, and I seem to be one of them. But we've learned the forge, you, are connected to the dreaming. And you... You can get in there. For other species, lucid dreaming is quite rare. But it seems an innate ability of the forge. And I guess I'm asking for two things in this moment. I'm asking for one, for you to know this, and it sounds like you may know this already, but for you to be ready, because I don't know if we'll win, and I, if there's an army of the Forge that can fight, not that I would ask you to fight, but I would ask you to be prepared. And the other thing I ask is... In a greedy way, I would love to hear one last song, because it may be the last thing I hear. And it, I know, and he finally would look over to the dwarf, that I, I don't even know where we are right now. I, I, I think this is Cog, but it seems much calmer. I don't remember parks like this. I'm not here to hunt you. I'm not here to hunt anything. I'm here to warn you of an incoming danger. So and you're telling me you don't know that you just happen to be in the lost city of Edenimus. Just oops. Just walking the path through a park. Just looking for the bard. Yeah. Alright, well, he looks over at Contessa. And Contessa says, um, Okay, I guess. Sure, I guess when I get back, um, I'll, I'll spread some songs about this and let them know, right? That's what you want? Yeah. I, I don't know the best way to do it. And I know I've probably undersold the danger. The future I saw that they want is just pure torment. And so if you can be prepared... In case we fail. That's that's all I could ask. Also, do I know what the lost city of Dedimus is? No, never heard of it. No, okay. I wanted to make sure that like when Harold was like, no, it wasn't just like, oh yeah, this is that rumored thing. How did you get in? Because I had to drag her all the way out here just to just to get past the gates. And Contessa stands up at that point. She's like, look, you guys can figure that out all in a second. I just don't... Why come to me? Well, the land of the dreaming works best for people who are in touch with dreams. And the and the endless bard, he said that he's heard your songs and needed someone who, who can inspire the forged could help gather their forces. 
and, and there's sanctuary, but I I don't I don't know him. I don't I don't know if he I don't know if he's opened to the idea of the dreaming. It's a it's a big pill to swallow, as as foreseen by your friend here, who is pointing a gun to me, <laughs> and it's. But it seemed like you may not be unfamiliar with this. It's the, and maybe you know of the dreaming, and maybe it's called to you. And so, the best way to sell something is it for the be the truth. And I don't have the words to tell the truth, because you've already seen it. Hopefully, it sounds like you know of it at least. And so, hopefully, that part of the story was one less part to explain. She just kind of keeps thinking about it. I mean, I don't mind. Well, to be honest, it just seems a little overwhelming, and I don't really know what exactly. It feels like there's something else she wants to say. She's not going for it. I, I admit, it, it's unfair. It, it's a big ask, and it probably feels like an unaccomplishable feat. And I don't know if he'll be successful and I, I I honestly don't know I mean if all best comes to best it, this will one day seem like a weird fever dream and you and your compatriot here will laugh in a tavern about the time a weird goblin appeared into a random lost town of Didicus he looks over the Denimus. lost city of Didymus. okay uh, the lost excuse me uh and that time that goblin ran out and asked you to prepare the forge for a battle that never came. That's the thing I can hope. And that's the thing that I want. But if not, I want you to be ready. And I want someone to be able to fight. Because I've seen a lot of bad in the world. But I've seen a lot of good. And I think... The world, the, the, the worlds are worth saving. And the stories are worth going on and the, the pain and the suffering and the tyrants need to be brought to their knees. She takes a few steps forward. She actually goes past the dwarf and she says, Do you know why I dream of someone I haven't met? I don't know. I know someone who who might be able to tell you the, the patch, the king of dreams, the endless bard is what they call him. Who do you dream of? I don't know. I, um... I have these dreams about someone who didn't matter and then suddenly for a moment don't know I saw them I saw them differently but I've never met them What I remember 
feels like it it feels like I'm dreaming of something real. There's no way I can describe it. Dreams of something real. And when I play, I feel like I'm playing for them. And I don't know who they are. I know I've never met them. But they they stepped into my life even though it never happened. I know that when I when I perform there's a part of me that's It's playing for the person I've never met. I don't know. Maybe that person is you. Maybe that person... No, this person was way too silly to be me. They're like... dumb. But still likable. They were forged, but they... they weren't like me. I've seen a lot of strange things on my journey. Maybe, maybe they come from another world. Maybe, uh, maybe you met them in another time, another timeline, or another. I don't know what any of that means. I don't know if I can ever explain. I don't know either. I was lost to go back again even before your music uh, I was lost in the in the echo forest and I found a frog or he's toad I always get those backwards and I don't know why but it was like oh this is part of me there's a connection here this is I am connected to this thing, this small little thing, and that connection is important, and I don't know why, and I don't know what to call it, the connection, and I used the only few words I knew when I started to learn, and I called it a god. But it's not, like, I've read a little more, and I know it's not God, but, but there's, I guess I'm trying to say, I understand the connection. I don't know the person. I don't know why, but he seems important, and he connects you to the dreaming. And that connection to the dreaming makes you the perfect candidate to help take up or prepare for this fight. I don't, I don't, and I hate it because I know what the Forge has been through. And I'm not here to say you need to fight for us. It's unfair. I don't. I've been there. You know, um, 
I've been there, where you have no choice in the matter. I'm giving you a choice, and I think you're the... You're the only forged. You're the only person. Is person the right word? I, it's a yeah, I'm a person. person. Oh, well, it means it more in like... She seems confused. Or, yeah, yeah. Harold gets into like this philosophy philosophical debate <laughs> like is a goblin a person is a dwarf a person? <laughs> you, you, you're the only right being uh, who understands that part it's to anyone else it would be too much of a leap to explain I mean you have to know the dreaming is real uh, purely from the shock that your compatriot whose name I still do not know seems to be that I'm here. I I didn't stumble upon you randomly. We're not in we're not in we're not in we're not in Fallis. It's not like I just walked up. No, you know? we're pretty far from Fallis. Yeah, how far? I don't even know. It doesn't matter. Uh, the other side of the world. I, I didn't just I didn't walk here by accident. This isn't circumstantial. And that's when uh, the dwarf says, because you couldn't, you can't walk here. That's what I don't understand. You said your piece, but I'm getting real tired of not understanding how you made it through the flats, deep, deep into the floating land masses past Kadim's defenses all the way here. I feel the answer I have for you. <laughs> he would look like, he would look at the dwarf the way you look at like a child when they ask like, why do bad things happen? Where's daddy? Yeah, like <laughs> there's no answer you can give here that will satisfy them. No answer you can give is satisfactory, right? If you were to say, there's like a moment of growing up that happens, that when you're just like, and it's that, you know, and I think as a kid, you can see it when a parent, like just an adult just doesn't know what to say to you. <laughs> and there's like a fear and a sadness in his eyes. And it's just like, you look at that and he goes, I'm afraid the answer I have to give is unsatisfactory on every level to you. Try me. I entered the world of the dreaming. I walked upon the dreaming tree. We made a plan. My friends went to another world to find the architect, the builder of worlds, to find the people who have been to Mercurius and fought the dream hunters. And I went to find you, Contessa. And I walked upon a branch that was strong and sturdy and supportive that got thinner and thinner. And more foliage came in. And I assumed I couldn't see where I was going. And then I was here. And I know an answer does not appease you. And I'm sorry. Because you haven't seen that the I dreaming. I believe that you believe this. Yeah, you haven't seen the dreaming. I don't need you to believe that I believe it. I need her. And he points to the contestant. To believe it, to understand it, because I feel that's the only way that you're she, going. Yeah, to she kind of gets. She takes. A, she puts a hand and she says, "I don't understand all of it, but I understand enough. I don't think. 
I don't think he knows where he is. I don't think he knows what's here. And I don't think he knows what your plans are. So if those are the reasons why we're just going to keep spinning in circles here, I think we should relax, Soren. And he says, uh, fine. So you've done your thing. Is that it? Are we good? And Contessa looks to you and says, I don't, is there anything else? Because there's nothing else I owe you a song. Uh, I guess, I guess not. I guess that's it. I don't know if I can help you get to the dreaming. If it would make more sense there. I guess I just want to I promised him I would help him figure something out here. So, can't go to the dreaming with you. Whatever it's called. That makes sense. Well, as long as you promise me you'll try. And I guess if you believe me, then I've done what I can. And I've asked for you what I came to ask. And that's all we can do. All right. She goes and sits down on the park bench. She pulls out beautiful mahogany guitar. It's very well crafted, obviously. It's mahogany. <laughs> and uh, she balances it perfectly on her knee, in her hand. She begins to play you a song. From the first notes that take to the air, you find yourself relaxed, welcomed, and you can... You can feel the song drift, not just across the park, but across the dreaming as well. You can feel the uh, kind of the, the welcoming ocean breeze of stardust. And if you wanted to, you could sit down and find yourself between two worlds. One, a park that exists in a city you've never heard of on a world that you desperately deep down wish to be a part of to be accepted by same time you hear those notes and they take you to an island across an endless ocean and an infinite sky full of stars that does welcome you that knows who you are that sees you to your very core and welcomes you in your entirety. Yeah, I think at this, this point, Harold would take a time to relax and to feel, you know, the blades of grass on his hands in the park and just to relish that moment of peace and tranquility. Yeah. You kind of lean back as you dig your hands into the grass. You can feel the sand beneath your palms. You can feel the dirt that you can feel dirt kind of run between your fingers. But at the same time, you can pull, push your fingers into the sand and kind of let them get buried as well as you find yourself between two worlds. And at some point, unfortunately, you're going to have to pick which world you're in. Are you still in the Lost City of Adidimus or do you find yourself once more before the endless oceans on the island of Stardust. Harold takes one last minute to admire Contessa, you know, and 
to look at her. Um, and he does. He looks at her and he says... And he smiles. And he says, you're the one. And he... And then at that point, he leans back into the dreaming and finds himself back on the shores, you know. And the music just kind of uh, wraps around you and takes you there. Mm-hmm.